Hey, Dory. What's up, brother? How's it going? Going well. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? All clear. How are we looking? Good. Look good. Look sharp, right man. Here. You look sharp. Right. Let's do this. <laughs> so, um, first of all, thank you for making some time. I know that you're a busy guy with your competitions and training and recovery and all that. Um, so, really do appreciate you uh, dedicating this this time to have a conversation with me. Um, for those of you listening in the future, we have Dory. Um, I don't want to mispronounce your last name, so can you say your last name for me? Yeah, brother, it's Alan. Alan Dory Alan. Dory Alan. Dory Alan with us, uh, joining us on the podcast. Um, he's a professional jujitsu athlete, um, the first professional jujitsu athlete I've gotten a chance to talk with. Um, the only other jujitsu practitioner that I've had on the podcast so far was one of my buddies from my gym. He's, um, he just got his brown belt in December and he's also a neuroscientist, uh, or, or a neurosurgeon, I should say. So, um, that was a cool conversation as well, but anytime I get a chance to talk jujitsu or competition, um, it's always fun. So thank you. Of course, brother. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I was trying to do some research on you before just to like get some background. Um, so you were a college athlete, right? Yeah. So, um, after high school, I played college basketball for a summer and then I had to start working full time. And then after figuring out some life situations and getting everything sorted out, I went, uh, I went back to college and I played football there at Santa Ana junior college. So, so in high school, you were, uh, probably a freak athlete yeah yeah I would I was uh I was dunking I was dunking the basketball I was moving down the court pretty good I played basketball in high school and then once some one summer of basketball and then I decided to play high, college football which was kind of I never what, what played position what position what, oh you never played football in high school no but then I went and played in college because my buddy was coaching me and uh, I needed a reason to go back to school so I was like, you know what? Let me go out for the team. I'll get priority registration. So I'll get my AA fast and then I could transfer. So then while I was there, I decided to go out for the football team. I played tight end and I did like all the special Sick. teams. And stuff. Sick. It was, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I didn't have like the, I started all the games there, but I wasn't like a, a key player on the team or anything. You know, I got my minutes. I started all the games. I played my, my role. I worked hard and, you know, I was a leader on the team, but I, I didn't I didn't do too much to that's be honest. That's still cool though. Yeah, that's still cool. awesome. Yeah. And to to, cool to play college football and never play high school football, that's that says something for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um so you so you gotta be a hard worker. So how did yeah. you then transition into jujitsu? How did you find jujitsu? Yeah, man. So right after I was eligible to transfer after my second season of college football. I got some offers to like go play in Kansas at like small universities, but I didn't really want to take the offers because it was like the middle of nowhere. And I was already like, I wasn't like 18 anymore. I was already 22, 21, 22 ish. And I didn't really, I was already working. I had bills and I had obligations here already. So I wasn't really trying to get out of town right. to go to college. So I just picked a local university, Cal State Fullerton, right down the street from my house. I just commuted every day. I didn't really live on campus or anything. And I was just going to the gym. I always loved working out. I was a personal trainer for like since I was like 17 till nice. now. I do personal training too on the side. We'll get back in. We'll get into that later. But um, I wasn't going to play football anymore. I was just going to focus on my studies. So my buddy was doing jujitsu and I just finished 
like my athletic career and I was going to the gym and I wasn't too motivated to work out. Like I would work out for like 15 minutes and leave. And I was just, I wasn't having fun with it anymore. And then he told me to come try out jujitsu. And I was like two thirty, fresh out of football season. I went in there, dude. And I was like, man, I grew up playing traditional sports. I never played football or uh, I never, I never even believed in martial arts. I thought it was right. all football, like karate, like breaking the boards. I was like, right. <laughs> Bullshit, dude. I don't care what belt you are. I'll still, I'll still. Work I'll smash you. Know? It. Yeah, it was like it was, it was just total bro, like jock mentality, you know. So I walk into Hustle Brazilian Jiu Jitsu where I train now, day one, and uh, my buddy Tony, you know, invites me, and I train with the professor. I see this guy; he's like five four, like one hundred thirty pounds with the black belt. I walk in there, dude, and my buddy gives me the gi. I put it on. I'm like. Oh my God, what am I doing? I feel like such a nerd right now. <laughs> this is so fake. I feel, dude, I just felt so out of place. And then I start learning the drills and I, I'm a learner, man. I like learning. So he's teaching these techniques and I still don't believe like this works, you know? I'm like, ah, okay, I'll just go because my buddy invited me. I go, then we start sparring. So then first I go with my buddy, Tony, and he's, uh, <clears throat> he's not, at the athleticism level that I was, I was like right. two thirty with the six pack, bro. Like athletic, <laughs> like ready to go beast mode. So I'm just, just off pure athleticism, no technique doing. Okay. You know, go with a couple of the other students. Like no one gets me in anything. I'm kind of just staying on top and like super tight, <laughs> not letting them sweep me, you know, just mm -hmm. like, just holding people, you know, when you, you go roll with that. First yeah. 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 That, that 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 first day strength where they're just holding you as tight as they can for dear life you could feel it exactly and uh i was like okay this is this is fun it's a good workout i'm dead and then the professor my professor hustle asked me to roll and i'm like okay let me like it's like let me kick his ass real quick you know <laughs> this fake ass martial art and then uh dude it was a long round bro <laughs> long <laughs> round couldn't get him off me. I'm like trying to bench press him off me. He's just sticking to me like glue and he's only 130 pounds. Damn. So he's just kicking my ass. Every time I try to push him off, I'm getting arm barred and I'm not tapping, bro. I'm like, no, there's no way. <laughs> and then I, you know, he applies it right. And I'm like, Oh shit. So then I tap, he's choking me out, doing whatever he wants, dude. And then after the round, I'm like, Oh damn, like this is pretty, this is, this this is real. Like, it's, it's, it's real. Like it's, it's actually, actually works. So then just um, like, so me, my athletic background, when I first started playing basketball, I was a freshman in high school. So I didn't start as like a young kid. Right. So when I got to freshman, I played on the streets and stuff, but I never played organized. Like growing up, we couldn't, my family couldn't really afford to put me into like organized sports. So I was just playing with my friends on the streets and then got into high school. I barely made the freshman basketball team. And then come the senior year, uh, I made it to the Orange County All-Star Game. Nice. And I was like, I became the best player on my team and in the county. And then uh, going into football, like I just started learning. I played football on the streets and stuff, but I didn't know how to play organized. Right. I, I, started, I walked onto the team and then started all the games, became a leader on the team. So I always knew that like if I worked hard, I can get better mm -hmm. at something and I can pass a lot of people up. So that's kind of what happened with jujitsu. Like I was like, okay, like my coach tapped me out like 20 times in this round. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get better at this and, and see how I do. So then I just started showing up every day. I was showing up to the morning classes in our school at that time. So I'm still at the first school that I started at. That's awesome. That's really so cool. um, five years later, I'm still there. 
And the first school that I started at, we were Czech Vat affiliation. So, um, but my professor got his black belt from Lucas Leitch at a mm. uh, Czech Mount Bahabra, the legend. So he went, branched off and opened up his own school. So I was one of his first students. And um, every really morning cool. I would show up to class. Um, it'd be me, him, and like one more person. So I was getting a lot of like one-on-one attention right. and pretty much getting privates every day. And then I'd show up to like the night classes and there'd be a little more people and stuff. But um, where I was going with this was I was getting like a lot of one-on-one attention and I was asking a ton of questions and I was able to just pick things up pretty quick. That's great. And and then early on in your jujitsu career, having that kind of one-on-one attention or that that more individualized coaching is is great. And that's that's probably the best time to have it maybe in your jujitsu training early sure. on. I think I, uh, I think I got better like so much faster than I would have if I was at like a huge academy and just in the back of the classroom, you know? And people now, wouldn't they, normally think that. They wouldn't think that. They would normally think that they would have to go to that big academy or that famous gym in order yeah. to progress really fast. Not at the beginning, man. For sure. Like I would recommend, you know, getting getting to a smaller gym where you can get more one-on-one attention. Then you can ask away. You're not holding up the class. You're not embarrassed to ask questions. You know, you can just tap your professor on the shoulder. Like we're a small gym, like a small gym, like only four or five people can roll at once. We're really small. We're, we're like a family Academy. Everyone's like really close. We're all like best friends pretty much. It's pretty cool. And we all train hard as hell, try to kill each other. And then (laughs) after we're all cool, we'll go eat after you know, dude, that's that's one of the best experiences ever. Um, I have I have a good community at the gym that I train at Where too. Where do you train, brother? In um in Staten Island, New York. Uh, so it's yeah. right outside Manhattan. It's one of the five boroughs. It's a Henzo affiliate. It's called Codella Academy. Wow. Um, my my professor trained under Henzo since like uh, I think the late nineties, and um he was a police officer and a detective in Manhattan. So he eventually just heard of Henzo's school and he dropped in one day and then he started training and he sees John Donaher there. He didn't know who Donaher was. And he starts training with Donaher. I think he started training with Donaher when Donaher was like a blue belt or something. And then eventually Donaher was running the classes and he was training on the Donaher a little bit. So then he moved to where I am in Staten Island. Then he opened up his Academy. um, The one that I'm at now in early, I think in the early two thousands. So he's been going for like 20 years with this Academy and same vibe. It's like, there's we have maybe um I'd say out of the adults there's probably maybe a hundred uh, maybe over a hundred um, but then kids we have a good amount of kids but it's a tight knit community and and it makes me want to show up to train even on bad days or rough days or days where I'm injured or it makes me want to even just come and observe the instruction the the you community aspect <laughs> yeah yeah. Hang out with the bros. Yeah, I just want to hang out. I just want to sit on the side and watch the professor teach and just get curious about it. So um, I, I can relate a lot to that journey and getting smashed on that day one class. I was, I don't know about you, maybe not you because you played high level sports in college. I was nervous stepping into my first class. I was, I was a little anxious saying, like, you know, I don't have any idea what to expect. I never got into a street fight. Um, I trained the martial art before that, but I knew that I had zero ground game and, uh, like you, I, I got, I did okay against someone, I think in my first round, but then I rolled with the, the white belt teacher and immediately humbled me. And I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. I need to stick with this. This is, there's something here. What, so at what point sports before did you play any sports I, I played before? I played uh I played soccer from like four to 18 pretty competitively on a travel team 
um, in the area where we would every now and then make it. Body to awareness. Big, yeah, yeah, forward. big. Yeah, yeah. No pass. Yeah, Solid yeah. Yeah. No pass to start. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So soccer, I think, helped me out a lot just with that awareness. And then I was big into, um, I've been big into yoga for a while, so that helped out my body awareness as well. So I think that's definitely given me a little bit of an edge in that regard. Um, Flexibility aspect too. You can probably huge. recover guard. Huge. And just injury prevention too. Stay calm in certain situations. You're getting inverted stacked. You can kind of yes. you know, find that, find that piece in there. A hundred percent. And and also I think it's helped me with injury prevention. Oh, for sure. Big time. How long have you been training and what belt are you? Um, I started training March of 2019. So a little early March, 2019. So a little over four years. I just got my purple belt in December. Nice, bro. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things that I do. Um, it's been a phenomenal vehicle for me to make sense of my life, just martial arts in general. Um, and and I I competed for my first time in early December, right right before I got my purple belt, um, as a blue belt, and that was a ton of fun. I don't know why I didn't compete earlier. Uh, COVID shut that down, and there weren't many tournaments oh, around. But um, I'm definitely gonna compete again. And then when I saw your clip of that insane choke go viral. Um, all, all of the buddies in my gym were sending that to each other. We couldn't believe wow. that we saw that we've never seen something like that before. And I'm like, damn, I immediately followed your account. And then I started seeing how often you were competing. You're, you're competing all the time. Yeah. Like two, like one to two times a month minimum. At least. Have you been doing that since your white belt? Yeah, man. Pretty much. Wow, that's great. I think that's the, the, so there's two things I love about jujitsu the most, like you mentioned, like it kind of gives you like a, a reason for the rest of your life. Like off the mat, my life's just gotten way better mm -hmm. since I started jujitsu. I started to value smaller things and just, you know, just treat people better, be a better person from within. And that's one of the most important yeah. things I've, I've uh, learned to love in jujitsu. The second is co competing for me. Like I just love going out there and testing myself that challenge within, you know, overcoming those nerves, Huge. like focusing on something and working hard for it, sacrificing, and then reaping the benefits of it. You know, were and you then, nervous before your first competition? Oh man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like it was, it felt like, it felt like I competed a lot. I played a lot of basketball. I played a lot of football games and it's the same feeling, man. It's a, uh, it's a little more though, I would say, because you, you don't have any teammates, you know, right. it's just, it's just you out there. So it's like, it's a way deeper inner, inner, inner battle with yourself before every match. Like I never feel like I'm like competing against somebody else because when I'm competing against somebody else, it's on me to paint the image of them first. Mm. So I can either like see the name and now at Brown Bell, you kind of know everybody, like everyone's been competing you competed against some of these guys before you've seen some of the tournaments that these people have won. Right. You've seen a clip of where they carry someone. By right. the like, <laughs> you see all that stuff, you know, he went, he does this, you know, about their Academy, you know, everything about them now. So now it's like on you going into the match to like, like tell yourself like that you're going to be ready to overcome any challenge that comes from within the match. You know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't overestimate anybody. You can't underestimate anybody. Right. And the worst thing you can do is underestimate yourself. Mm. It's, it's so true. And so now, do you think that your experience in high-level sports before that helped you? Or do you think that you would have understood that from competing in jiu-jitsu regardless? 
Um, it definitely helped me at the at the start to not be as nervous as some people for their first tournament. But as I've competed more and more and more, it's been a challenge to because you're competing at a higher level as you're yeah, going up to too. hone in on that to hone in on that because every day is different. You know, some days I felt less nervous than others. Some days I've been like super chill. So it's just trying to find a way to build that routine to where you're as calm as possible before every tournament, you know, what's, uh, what's something that you're most proud of yourself for in your like competition, uh, phase of jujitsu. Um, most proud of man, I would say it's just been, cause been you seem more... pretty damn consistent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you get better at competing. So it's just, I'm, when you compete, you get a lot better at jujitsu. It's realistic jujitsu when you're competing. I felt that after even one competition, I felt myself level up because I saw you got into the gym, the you felt strong, you felt yeah. fast, you felt like, oh damn, like this is a different speed and intensity that I need to be training at. Hundred percent. So, so I think you get better at competing, right? So that's why I was told myself I'm gonna compete as many times as possible. You know, I was I was working a lot just so I could fund the tournaments. Um mm after the because I, I bartend and stuff on the weekend nice. and i run personal training from my garage just hard so to do train. bartending is late hours man and it's hustling oh, it's fast yeah. and then i train full-time monday through friday i train every morning and then i train every night monday through uh thursday and friday saturday sunday i work dude that's um, hard work but going back to the question um you get better at competing so i told myself i want to get better i need to compete a lot and that's the mm. most fun part for me like if i'm just training and i'm not competing I'm, to me i'm not really chasing anything i'm kind of yeah. just going through the motions when i sign up for that tournament like my motivation i know i have something coming up so i know i need to focus and grind so it keeps you locked in bro so if you have a tournament every two weeks you can't not train <laughs> you have to be you have to be on your game you have to you be have on to. your it forces you to be on your game at all times and then it it keeps you away from all the distractions going out partying being mm. reckless doing dumb dumb shit man you know so um i mean growing up as a as a jock in college sports we used to do all that you know? i was gonna and say that stuff comes with the it lifestyle comes, yeah. it comes with it man so i'm trying to with jujitsu help me kind of get away from that and focus on things that, that really matter and things that will help me get better as a person Dude, um, that's that, that's awesome what um sorry what was the original question you said what what are you most proud, most proud of yeah most proud of because i feel like by default competitive people or hardworking people like yourself might not always reflect on what you're doing good because you're working so hard so i always get curious about like you know if that person had a chance to just think about what they are proud of and what is a big w that other people might not know what might that be yeah man i think i think for me my biggest challenge was like going and doing any tournament, any level, anywhere, just, just going and doing it. Like a lot of time people say, Oh, what weight should I do? Oh yes. man. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't train three months for this. Like, man, I've heard it. Yeah. If, there, if there's a tournament on Friday and they call me on Thursday, I'm going to do it. You know, if, if there's a super fight, I'm going to go do it. If there's a tournament and I get the opportunity to go do it in Brazil, I'm going to go to Brazil. And oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm most proud of just overcoming any inner thought of like, oh, you're not capable of doing it and just going out and putting it online. Like, 
That's I don't care. I know I'm going to get better at it. I know I'm going to get better from every challenge that I take on. So if I the challenge, I already lost. Mm. But if I accept the challenge, go out there and give myself an opportunity to win, whether I win or lose, it's still a win. That's so true. And that that's one of the biggest points. And that's something I think people get from jujitsu, even if they don't realize it. Um, because even on my bad days of training, like, so, all right. So even if I'm talking about my competition, the one that I did in December, I didn't win it. I came in third place in my division, but I was happy that I showed up. I didn't give a shit that I came in third place compared to first, just because I worked my ass off before that leading up to it. I know how focused I was, how diligent I was. Um, and I didn't let my nerves get the best of me. And I just did jujitsu and, and that was it. And, uh, so I, I can totally see that. I can't even imagine having done probably that was, you've done hundreds. That was my first one. Yeah. yeah. And, and I bet, you know, what another win from that is, is I bet you've thought about competing in the past and something derailed you from actually. Yes. hundred percent. So and those same thoughts or excuses. excuses. Yeah. The same thoughts. That's what it is, man. If, I mean, how, if you're training, I mean, I could tell you're into it. You like your Academy. If I bet you're training more than three days a week, you know, two, three days a week. Right. So there's no reason you can't compete. Like right. you're training that much. Like you're ready to compete. It was here that held you back from competing and you so overcame true. it. You overcame it and you got out there and competed. That's why like anyone that competes, I, I respect. I'm so proud of my teammates that go out and compete because not everyone could live the lifestyle where I'm, where you get to train morning and night and, mm -hmm. you know, get and, and be like a full-time jujitsu athlete. So you know, you have your normal job and you're, you have your profession and you're still out there training and, and competing. Like I respect that, you know? Yeah, I, I do too. And anyone that puts themselves out there, I, I give them a ton of credit. And even after me doing that one competition, uh, I started to look at UFC fighters, putting themselves out there or anyone, any competitor, anything. Um, you're the guy in the arena and uh, you're letting yourself like, you know, be vulnerable. So that's, that's amazing. Um so now what you're talking about, not believing those false beliefs or those limiting beliefs, that's something that everyone deals with in all aspects of their life. Do you think, does that voice or do, do those thoughts ever go away for you or do they always pop up and resurface, but you've just gotten better at dealing with them or not believing them, et cetera? Yeah, I think I've gotten better at trying to avoid those thoughts. I mean, to me, the biggest cliches are always the most real statements, like focus on things you can control, right? right. How many times have you heard that? A million, right. You seriously need to go back to those things and really practice practice only focusing on things you can control. Because when you go into a tournament, you see guys in your bracket or you get those inner doubts like, dang, that guy's good. I heard of him before. Right. And And going back to what I said before, like, you're taught to not overestimate or underestimate anybody, but then you go and underestimate yourself. Like, no, mm. I'll beat that guy. But <laughs> I'm, I'm beating myself before the match even starts. And I've gone through this a lot, man, where I've gone into some big tournaments and I've, I've lost. And at the end of the match, I'm like, dude, I don't really feel like that guy's anything special. He has right. this name. He's been training three times the amount as me. You know, he trains with all these guys. But I beat myself before the match because then we got into like a situation in the match where it was like if I just gave my all in that situation, I yeah. would have I would have won that position. But in the back of my head, I already beat myself and told myself that this guy's better than me in that he's just better than me. 
So then I kind of was like, oh, okay, he's supposed to win that battle instead of giving Damn. my all and winning that battle. So it's just, in, the, in those tight moments where you know where when you're reflecting on it and you're and you know that you could have i don't know maybe like gotten that grip or whatever it is do you think that you hesitate in that moment because like you just were being more cautious because you might have believed I, that? I, I put the guy on the pedestal man yeah yeah i said he's supposed to win this position when man it's not I true could, yeah it's not it's not and i've i've fought some of the best guys in my age uh in adult and and in my belt and i've never felt like that no one was that good man and, and every time i've lost i've always thought to myself like man like you ha you have to learn from this you have to not underestimate yourself because you're pretty damn good like, believe i believe like it that. so those those thoughts always come into my head man we, we keep yeah we, we always look out we always look out instead of like looking in and you're so right. We end up beating ourselves before we even give our chance to beat the other guy. Or even go out. You're at the bar. You see this hot chick. You you don't even, you might not even go talk to her. If you're not confident in yourself and you're not, you underestimate yourself. You might not even go talk to her. You'll never take the chance. You'll never take the chance. You know, it's, it's all the cliches, bro. Yeah. You never, you never take it, make a shot. You don't take, right? <laughs> someone or, told me recently they were, they were like, uh, someone was complaining about platitudes and the other person was like, no, dude, platitudes exist because they're true, like because there's some truth in them and they and they sound like cliche, but like they they exist and people say them forever over and over again because there is truth to them. But you don't you don't truly believe them until you've had that life experience that makes you believe them. Right. You know, I mean, imagine if you listen to all the things your parents told you when you were a kid, you know, when as you get older, you're like, Danny. You were right. Right. Because you, know, you have to go through the life experience. It's like, it's, it's, it, that's life. That's jujitsu. It helps you, it helps you learn these things. It gives you more experiences in life and, and learning about yourself within, which is like one of my favorite parts about it for sure. Same. Me too. Um, so now what are some of your goals with, with competing in jujitsu going forward? Yeah. With competing going forward, man, I, I, I've always set my goals like very short term because. Okay just one goal at a time because i don't like going too far because i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you right. know so for now i have like even now i set my goals you know i do set like a yearly but it's still kind of short term I I say, got, the, are the longer goals like the yearly goal maybe more of like a soft like a softer goal and then as the goals are shorter in time you get harder on trying to execute on those yes definitely definitely so I mean, I got my brown belt right when I got my brown belt. I was like, I, I want to be the, the best brown belt in the world, right? So I need to win worlds and any major tournament that I go to, right? Um, I did the same thing at blue belt, purple belt. Um, I reached number one ranking at blue belt. I reached number one ranking at purple belt. I want to reach number one ranking at brown belt too. So um, the way you do that, so that's the ultimate goal, right? Right. But the way you do that is one tournament at a time, dominate. Over, mm. over and over and over acquire points build your name and get your your ranking so um right now i have san diego open may 20th it's an ibjjf tournament nice that's the next one on the list i want to double gold that one gi and no gi and then two weeks after i have worlds nice worlds in the gi in long beach so and you just uh you just won a big tournament late april right late april um it's it's been more uh more more opens okay so 
there so no, what's what's the difference between what's the difference between an open and like a competition? So they have like, like open. So every tournament in IBJJF has like a different star rating. Okay. Um, so the number one tournament is the Worlds, which is going to be June first in the Gi, right? Cool. Second is the Pan American Championships, and then the third is the Brasileiro, and then the fourth is the European Championships. Those are the Grand Slam tournaments. Those are the ones you want under your name, and that'll help you grow for sure. Mm, okay. Those, when you do well or place top three in those tournaments, you get a lot more points than you would if you did a small open tournament. Okay. An open tournament is um, – it's an open tournament. Anyone can do it. Um, for those those four that I mentioned, you need a certain amount of points when you're a black belt to compete in those tournaments. So that's those ones aren't opens, but the open tournaments, um, anyone can do, and they're just a good way to get experience, um, and compete a lot. You can get points too, but you don't get as many points. Um, so those, those small opens, you might have like two matches per bracket, two, okay. three matches per bracket, but then the, the Pan Ams, the worlds, Brasileiro, you can have four or five to six matches. Cause it's a lot wow. more people in those tournaments. It's a lot, it's a lot tougher because they're actually global tournaments. People from I was gonna say, yeah, people regions. are flying in from around the world for those. People are flying in, so the worlds there'll be people from Brazil, Europe, you know, Asia, yeah. everywhere. So, um, so you have that. So the worlds are coming up June, early June. June first, yeah, that's the one. Are those I gonna have. be tele, uh streamed anywhere? It'll be streamed mm-hmm. on Flow Grappling. Okay, so that's, cool, that's nice the one man. I'm really going after. So that's the I I've won the Pan Ams and the Gi. So so from for the IBJJF circuit. It's Monday through June, or sorry, um, January through June is all in the gi. Gotcha. Right after the Worlds, it turns into no gi season. Oh, so okay. all those four major tournaments that they had in the gi, they also have in no gi. Cool. So um, I won the Worlds three times in no gi, but in the gi, I haven't won it yet. I got silver twice and one bronze. Okay. So I want to. I need it this year. Do you, man. Do you have a preference of no gi or gi? That you you like know, I to... always so like my first two years of jujitsu, I only did gi because wow. I was working every Thursday and at my academy Thursday was no gi, and then I was working every Saturday and Saturday was no gi. So like the first, the first two years of my jujitsu, I worked every Thursday and Saturday, and I never did any no gi. I would I would sign up for the tournaments because honestly, no gi didn't really have that wave in 2018 2019 i was gonna say when i first started it was still more gi too in 2019 yeah yeah, yeah then um adcc had the huge event um 2019 gordon right. ryan um, that definitely gordon blew ryan. it up a little bit yes definitely the felipe pena versus galval match yes and gordon ryan won um absolute and then his bracket as well so then it just built up built up built up and then um Nogi started to really blow up and I was like, man, let me try Nogi. And then for being like a more athletic guy, Nogi yes. really translated to me. They couldn't really hold me down. And I was able to use my strength and athleticism. And and man, I, I love Gi, but I do a lot better in Nogi. Like <laughs> I won double gold at the Nogi uh Nogi Worlds for purple belt. And then nice. uh, I won it the year before. I won Nogi Pans. Like Nogi is like it's a lot easier for me. It comes more natural, I would say. It make, it makes sense that you being a good athlete that you would be uh that you would find success in in Nogi. Um I've I've realized that as well. Even throughout my experience, I'm trying to make sense of the differences and I still try to I still have difficulty thinking of the differences sometimes, even though some are glaringly obvious. But 
I get to be more athletic in no gi. Um, I'm, I'm able to escape more, uh, more fluid, more motion. There, there, there's much static. more forgiveness, much more forgiveness. Oh yeah. Yeah. So spaz out. You get yeah. Chubby, yeah. Spaz out a little bit. When in doubt, spaz out. And yeah. then, in, and then in gi, I think I've built like a love hate relationship over the years because I have so many strong, like super strong guys in my gym, so, uh, police officers, army guys, um, that just like love staying on top and their grips. They have those like sausage men hand, like hand, like fingers. Ass man, hands. Oh man. Yeah. So I think I developed like a love hate relationship for it, but I'm, I'm, as my technique is getting better, I'm starting to love it more obviously. But uh, yeah, no, I'm always curious to ask people if they like ghee or no ghee more. Um, so that's interesting that you like ghee, but you're comp- when you're competing, you're finding even more success in no ghee. I think um, I think a big difference is 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 also so. For example, ADCC, you'll you'll hear about a random like blue or purple belt that does so well at the highest level. Right. In the ghee, you don't hear that at all. Mm. You don't really hear about a blue belt because it's more technique. It's more technical, and those years really matter in gi years, I would say. Like, the athleticism isn't such a huge factor. Right. Uh, they're so technical in their guards and in their technique that they can really shut a person down. Where in no gi, you might just have, like, a freak wrestler. Like, even a wrestler in the gi, you, the, the gi gets rid of the wrestling. Yeah. You too know, much friction. It, too much friction. You can just grab the collar, stuff their head into the mat. It's really easy to stop takedowns in the gi. So a lot of that, it's just the the gap is a lot bigger in no gi. Yeah. And, or, so, sorry. Um, is, is your gi, does your gi, uh, your gi, does your school, um, do most people compete more in gi or no gi or is it kind of pretty even? I think we're still more a gi school for sure. Okay. Yeah, we're still more a gi school because we're a traditional like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our our team checkmat, we compete a lot in gi, I would say. Cool. We have a especially where my professor got his black belt um out of from Lucas Leach. A lot of his high-level black belts are uh, are Brazilian, so they're they're, right, they're yeah, they're, they're in the gi. They're more you so know, gi. More so gi. We have a lot of American students that like the gi more that came from or like no gi more that came from wrestling. I think that's all it is. Like Americans like no gi more because yeah. The wrestling background here in America. There's no real wrestling in Brazil. If they want to grapple, they do jiu-jitsu. So jiu-jitsu right. is in the gi. Right. Have you have you ever trained in Brazil? I feel like I saw you post a picture somewhere yeah. recently. Yeah, I was just there, man. I was just uh so I went, I was in Brazil for the Brasileiro, one of the major four tournaments. I came up short in the quarterfinal. Um, and but where I want to go with that is it's tough there, but all the guys that I saw that won the tournaments live here in the U S or come <laughs> here, come here for the worlds or they train here. They come, they come to worlds for, they come to the U S for worlds. Right. So, um, it was like a lot of the same faces of guys I've fought or guys I've seen on the circuit. They're here in the U S now. So I, I, I mean, the jujitsu is amazing. The guys are tough there. I would say color belts is tougher in, in Brazil because okay. the guys haven't got their, their financial freedom. They haven't acquired their visas yet to come travel. They haven't got the sponsorships to help fund them to come to the U.S. So mm. I would say color belts, like blue and purple belt, way better in Brazil. But then brown belt, black belt, I would say it's like the same. Wow. Same, or like maybe even better here because all the best guys find their sponsor. They find That's their way cool. to the U.S. So they can start making money here. 
but um and then i went to train in some academies there it's so humid man it's like really <laughs> it's really humid like for the tournament i wish i went a week early just to acclimate just to acclimate i needed more time because one of the biggest things i about uh preach on or um one of my best attributes is my cardio and over I there love man, that. Love I, was that. Sucking, I was sucking wind bro i was sucking wind i'm not even gonna lie i had a war in the quarterfinal i came up short and I was sucking it in. I never sucked when Normally, by the end of the match, I'm breathing out of my nose still. Like, I'm wow. good. And the guys just – I like breaking people. So, that's my whole – like, my whole game is I'm going to try to break you and make you quit. I love and, it. And uh, in Brazil, bro, it, it was different. I got there a day before the tournament. And, <laughs> like, right off the flight, I went for, like, a two-mile run just to try to acclimate. Didn't do shit, dude. By the time when I got out on the tournament, I was gassed. I can't, I can't even imagine. Um, I'm just imagining like the only thing I know that might be comparable, but probably not as bad as like Florida humidity. But yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Brazil is even worse. Um, that tough. that could that can make a big difference in your like just cardio. Just after my warm up, just after my warm up, my whole gi was soaked. Damn. Just from warming up, and it's not even summer over there. Damn. Yeah, it's like that, that, eight degrees, but just humid, dude. Like, dude, I'm I'm bald, bro. So my head was shiny. Like I was dripping. I was dripping, dude. I was like, man, this is different. And and I really felt the difference. But after the tournament, I got to spend some time. Like I spent like three days. I spent three days in the city where the tournament was. And then I got a hotel on the coast. Nice. Uh, Santos, Brazil. And uh I got to train out there because we have a checkmate affiliate there. Oh, cool. And, uh, even the training room so hot and humid, but the guys are tough there. There's no real flow rolls in Brazil, I would say. Okay. The guys, the guys like Pojada. They like to, they like to scrap. They love, to they love to scrap in Brazil. Like the technique, bro, it was funny. How did your, how did your technique hold up to them? Uh, I got it, bro. I got, <laughs> I got it. I got that thing on me. But uh, it was, uh, they don't really even, I don't remember really even going over technique. They do like two drills and then, all right, let's roll, grab a partner. Wow. Okay, cool. So in Brazil, I would say they like to train more than I um, Here's less... more drills and learning over there. They're like, all right, let's scrap. Let's just uh, get the experience in let's the scrap. rolls in. Yeah. I, um, I had a chance to last summer I was traveling with my wife and uh, she, she works as a theater performer. So she was in a show that traveled around the country. Um, and uh, I was traveling with them for a bunch of weeks and anytime I would go somewhere, I would always bring two of my geese and just rash guard. So if, if I, I could just pop into a local gym and I was able to do that in like four, I think like four gyms. And uh, that was a great experience for me, just seeing different uh, ways of teaching, different groups of people, just different looks that I've never seen before, similar to competition, but it obviously wasn't that speed, but just yeah, getting all different looks and then watching guys want to roll with me to get different looks before they competed next week. It was right. such a good experience. And uh, some gyms were, were interesting just because like, you know, the professor would show up like right when class started. And I'm not used to that because we would, it's usually a packed house before the class starts. Everyone's warming up. Um, some, some gyms were definitely more competition based and they were going hard. It was 6 a.m. class we're already sprinting around the mat to warm up and yeah. um so it was cool to see different atmospheres like that and that alone was a good learning experience for my jiu-jitsu too so you traveling and uh getting to roll with different people in different countries is, is probably even better which is awesome oh cool it's so cool i think it, i think it's really important for your jiu-jitsu to do that 
Yeah. Because, I mean, have you been at your, you've been at your academy since day one as well? Since day one, yeah. You get, you, it's a great thing, but you can also get stuck in your ways too. Yes, definitely. Like, oh, okay, this is just, okay. I mean, you've probably already, I mean, no matter how good your professor is, if you've been there for three, four years, you've seen some of the same technique. Yeah. Right? Which is good. You can touch on it and everything, but you kind of have to see what's out there too. I'm not saying switch gyms, but, you know, go cross train, yeah. go train at a different academy, go to an open mat, go roll with different guys. You roll with your buddies that you're all cool with and you guys get into the same position every single damn time, <laughs> you know, or, you know, it's your buddy. He had a long day at work. You don't want to whoop his ass too hard. You know, it's like, <laughs> all that plays a factor. It's kind of nice going and training with somebody that doesn't know you. Yes. And then you go into it, you don't know, it is like a tournament. You don't know what their what their go-to game is. You get caught in a loop choke, and then everyone's, like, laughing, like, oh, bro, that's his choke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have your buddy that does that sneaky choke that he gets everyone with, and then you know it's there. So right. You know how to defend it, but then you go roll somewhere else, and they get you in all their, their go-to. I was, was going to say, I was able to use my A game finally. I'm never able to use my words. A game. I can't use yeah. my A game on anyone in my gym because everyone knows it um so so i mean it's good because it forces me to develop a b c and d game uh, and that's kind of like what i'm working on over time but i was able to use my a game in those other gyms i'm like all right this is fucking fun like this is cool like i never get to do this that was before i competed you'll be surprised like some stuff works really easy in tournaments and you're like dude i haven't freaking hit this move in like six months what the hell and then you're able to hit it in because because they probably haven't seen it or they might not have seen that and and it could have been some some random friend that you had at the gym that just has been working on this one technique that someone else doesn't see. And that's how you win a tournament. I could, I could totally see it after that. 100%. Is there um, a lot of, is there a lot of Henzo Gracie uh, affiliates close to you or is it just that one? Um, I don't know, actually. Okay. I think there's, I think there's one in Brooklyn. I think there's a, there's one in Brooklyn. Um, and then I think there's one in Jer in New Jersey, right over one of the bridges. But still um, Manhattan one, right? They're still the Manhattan. They're still the Manhattan one, the the blue basement. I haven't gotten to train there yet, but I want to drop into a class. But um, yes, because my we have a big affiliate too. We're Team Checkmat. There's a there's so in many in New York City. Um, uh, there's there's one Checkmat in New York City as well. But I'm saying around me, there's probably like 10, 15 Checkmats. Wow. So I'm I can cross chain all the time, and it's That's great, which is pretty cool. Like, but we're so big that I don't know everybody. So wow. it's pretty cool to go cross train and it's not like I'm going into enemy territory. It's still my team. And it's kind of like, you get that aspect of it. You get that aspect of cross training, but you're not really like going to other academies, which is pretty cool. I think that's like one of my favorite parts about being a part of a big affiliation for sure. That's yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah. So since you're someone who competes at a really high level, I'm curious, what's your take on the importance of belts or just like ranks like that? Because yeah. I feel like in Nogi, that's less, you're not, you're not paying attention to that as much because obviously you're not seeing it, but um, like, do you think that belts are important? Do you think each belt means a certain thing or that you should focus on a certain thing? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, when it was anytime it was time to get promoted, I already kind of knew it was going to happen. Um, I kind of was just like, man, I'm just going to focus on getting to the, I want to get to a point to where I'm smashing everybody at the tournaments. So like at white belt, dude, it was, I was like, okay, I should probably be getting my blue belt soon. Cause I was tapping people in like 20 seconds towards the end, towards the end of white belt. 
at Pan Ams, I was I won Pan Ams as a white belt and just it was undeniable at that point. Yeah, I was like, okay, my professor's gotta give it to me. <laughs> you know? But but everyone's different. Blue belt, I started started out a little shaky, and then I got like a year and a half, two years later, I was at the top of blue belt. I was getting people out of there quick. Like I was just I was racking up points, submitting, winning all these tournaments. I was like, okay. Boom, purple belt, same idea. It started to get to the point where if the guy wasn't seasoned, like I'm going to get him out of there quick. So I always just tried to focus on my skills and get to get to the point where I'm beating everyone at my belt. And then I'll focus on the next belt once right. I get there. Right. But right now I need to get to the top of this belt and I need to beat everyone at this belt. Um, but everyone's different. You know, if you're a competitor and you want to compete at the highest level, you need to do that you want to compete and you want to, you want to accomplish some things in jujitsu, you need to get to the best at each belt. But then you have a hobbyist who works full time, has a family. He gets into the gym one, two, three times a week. You need to be able to, I'm not saying just hand out the belt, but Hey man, this guy has a bunch of other obligations. He's getting in here training. He's getting better. He's learning. He's fundamentally sound in the positions. You kind of have to every you you're gonna have to promote everybody right. differently, right? Right, well, and it's like an individual path for each person. Individual path, man. As long as you're getting better, it's it the belts. I always said the belts never matter because when I was a white belt, I was submitting black belts, bro. Right. Black belt, blue belt, like I never thought about it. Like I would, they would say, "Don't go call out black belts." I'd go call out all the black belts. I didn't give a shit. I was like, <laughs> "All right, bro. Like we're here doing jujitsu. If you're so good, then kick my ass." Right. I'm, not gonna re- I'm gonna respect you, but I'm not gonna respect you to the point that where I'm scared to roll with you. Like, oh no, no, kick my ass. Right. Please, please Teach help me. me get better. Yeah. Help me get better. I'm gonna make it hard on you. I'm gonna spaz out, bro. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you let me get on top. I'm gonna, I'm gonna squeeze you as tight <laughs> as I can. So I, I don't know. I, I never really got too fixated on the belts. I hear people say, oh man, like they try to like talk about the promotion, so like a professor can promote them like dude right that seems cringy to me i'm focused on being the best period so i don't i don't care what belt you are i want to be the best where i can be anybody no matter what their belt is so as long as you're getting better and getting closer to that the belts will come that's a good way to view it belt for belt yeah i I don't know man i just you kind of if you're competing you have to be ready you have to be able to compete with people at your belt once you're able to beat most of the people at your belt, you get That's when you know that you're ready. You know that you're ready. If you're not competing, hey, man, you're getting in two, three times a week. You're consistent. You know, I know you have other obligations in life, but you train hard when you're here. You're learning a lot. You're able to do perform some of these techniques at a high level. Okay, your professor knows when you're ready. Right. You know, everyone's different. Everyone's different, man. So, but not every, not every black belt's the same. Not every brown belt's the same. Not every purple belt's the same. You know? Right. Yeah, and that's just really, good to keep. Never in really mind. focus on the belts. Never really focus on the belts. Yeah. Yeah, I I can I can relate to that. I always had this thing in like this insecurity that any, each time I've been promoted, I always wonder. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no, I definitely know that I've gotten better, but I feel like I don't know if I ever would feel ready. I feel like I'm never like like worthy enough. I feel like I could always try harder or do more, and that's just something I've always wrestled with in my head, but after competing and seeing my jujitsu at that level, I'm like, Oh no, I do. I do deserve that. I think I have put in the work. I, I saw my jujitsu displayed in front of people on the mat, um, in a competition setting. So I enjoyed that experience even more so 
because I got to evaluate my jujitsu on a more authentic level, at least for me. Um, so yeah, that helped me look at the belts less. You never feel ready. Like that's a good way to put it too. I got my brown belt in December and I'm like, damn, bro, I'm a brown belt. Like, like time flies. And I did not, I always looked at it like, you know, you're at the back when you're a white belt and, and the line at the end of class. Like, yeah. These guys are brown belts. And now I'm at the front of the line. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, where did time go? But I still – and then you realize that, like, the more you know, the less you know you don't yes. know. Oh, shit, bro. Like, it's crazy. Like, I need to <laughs> – I, I feel good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, dude, there's a lot to learn, a lot to tighten up. It's it's. And that, it's that's why I think going better. back to how you have your goals where you're focusing on the short-term day-by-day, I think that's that's how you continue to be successful because if you start to think too long – too much becomes overwhelming you can't control that bro you don't know what's gonna happen just focus on what's next tournament in two weeks let me grind for that after that that, okay today i have practice at 10 i teach at 10 and i practice at 6 p.m handle that get a lift in did good today that's that's applicable in all aspects of life it really is it really is right yeah man just like i say like everything is yoga because yoga is just linking breath with movement and getting in the moment and like ever since i started jujitsu i started yoga 12 years ago but since i started jujitsu i'm like no i'm like jujitsu is the same fucking thing i'm like jujitsu everything is jujitsu like i i see everything as jujitsu and make sense of things through that everything's everything bro yeah yes (laughs) like bro whatever you're into and you're trying to get better at something that's life Yes, that, that's all it is. And, and jujitsu is, is, is your vehicle. I found a vehicle in jujitsu. And uh, that, that's why I, I love analyzing it because everyone has that thing. Even if people are listening to this conversation, they don't have to do jujitsu. Um, they could apply what we're talking about to anything that they're doing. Even if they're a cook, if they're an accountant or like literally anything, you could apply this. That's to. another cliche, right? Yes. Another cliche, bro. It's like, it's just like this. It's just like this. Right. How many times yeah. have you heard that? It's the same, same thing over and over and over. Do you practice? Uh, so you do yoga. You practice meditation. Yes. Yeah. How, do you, how would you go about like a normal like meditation session? Just to start it, like for someone who's yeah, starting out. Starting out. Yeah. I I, I actually hated bit, I, I hated meditation it. before I started doing it. I actually hated it. Um, I don't know about you, but my brain is always moving a million miles an hour, nonstop, and awesome. uh. So I always had an issue with just being present in the moment and not getting caught up in thoughts and attaching to those thoughts. So I never liked mantra meditations where you have to repeat something over and over, even if you say it in your head, that just never worked with me. Or I never liked listening to guided meditations where someone was speaking. So I've, I eventually found just a simple way of, you just have to sit and do nothing. As crazy as it sounds, you just have to sit set a timer. I use the app simple timer and I just set it for like seven to eight minutes. And all that you have to do is know that thoughts will come up in your mind, like on that ticker tape. And as it's going across, you just become aware that you have thoughts in your mind. And as soon as you just bring awareness to that, you start to create space between you and those thoughts. And then once you create a little space, it just starts to drift away and you're like, Oh shit. All right. I'm not that thought. And then another one comes by and you're like, oh shit, this is that thought. I'm now thinking about it. And you're like, oh shit, no, 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 that's just a thought. That's not me. And then that drifts away. And then after you know it, the timer goes off and you're realizing, oh wow, I just, I was still for like five minutes. 
I, I actually experienced a moment of just silence, right? Like which people don't normally get. And uh, that's why I think meditation for someone who has an overactive mind, um, sit up against the wall, just sit up against the wall, close your eyes, set a timer, and just tell yourself, I don't have to worry about a single thing in this world for the next five minutes or six minutes. And then know that thoughts will come up and then just bring your focus back to your breath. Like with each inhale, exhale, if you feel it on your nostrils, like going in and out of your nose, just bring your attention there and just sit and just be as, as best you can. And then after the timer goes off, don't label it as good or bad. Just be okay with what is just like you do after your tournaments. Um, and then o over time, you start to get better at it as a skill. And then you attach to those thoughts less frequently and with less like stickiness and kind of like you're saying yeah kind of like you're saying they'll always come up but i've just gotten better at not believing them or not attaching to them you okay so when i've practiced meditation and it's weird bro i go through phases so like i'll be like i'll be dialed in for like a week two weeks straight every day and then it'll go away for like a month and then i'll try i'm like dude what's going on i feel kind of i don't know i feel kind of out of it and then i'll go oh okay i, I I got away from practicing my meditation but when I meditate I like to I don't know if this is this is how I do it I never really did too much research on it I just close my eyes I breathe and then when a thought comes into my head I like I like how you ex explained how to do it I kind of just say get out of my head get out of my head get out of my head yeah that works that that works that works because <laughs> you know I mean? you're 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 becoming aware that's it that's it and and just becoming aware, depending on no, no matter how you become aware, that's that's meditating. it. That's yep. meditating. Yeah. Right. So you're you're doing it right, and uh, you know, I'm consistent. But and, dude, I, don't, I, and I I do the same thing. I've been inconsistent with it too, and I notice that I get inconsistent with it when I start to feel good, and I think I don't need it anymore. And uh, then I'm and then like you said, every now and then I'll feel caught up, and I don't know what's wrong, and I'm like I, I just like I feel off. I feel scattered. Like I'm doing I'm doing like the same things, but I just feel scattered. And then I'll realize, oh, wow, I haven't meditated in like two weeks, three weeks or four weeks. I'm just nonstop work or train you do it or, morning or night. I usually do it in the morning. So morning. I feel like it's a good anchor for the rest of my day. I f yeah. I was always doing it. I was always it could, doing it. It could be beneficial anytime. I used to do it or I've done it when I've just parked my my truck. And I know that I have like five minutes before I have to run in somewhere and I'll, I look like a weirdo, but I'll just sit there, eyes closed and just give it five minutes. The best bro. But I, I, I like doing it at night too. Sometimes at night, especially when, you know, you get caught up on this freaking thing. Yeah. Bad. Bro. Yeah. So bad. And I'm just like, Holy cow. I've been swiping, 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 swiping. Let me, let me put this down and just let me, let me, let me call it a day, bro. Throw that thing it's away. It's bad. And everyone, everyone is dealing with that. And I don't think we, I don't think we, I don't think most of us notice it, but like you're saying, I'll, I'll, I'll catch myself scrolling or just looking at my phone for too long. And then I, after a while, I don't even know why I'm doing it. And I don't even know what, what I got out of that. An hour, hour goes an hour. You could have been sleeping, getting ready for the next day. Now yeah. you're, 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 you missed out on sleep, but it's hard, bro, because this is, this is a, you know, this is business now. It you is. Know, you want to build your podcast, you got to market it. This yes. is the best way to market it. Anyone can do it. 
you know, I want to, I want to build I was just my saying, you as a professional athlete, you have to, you have to market yourself. You have to like really put yourself out there in order to seminars. People need to book me through here. They want to see my technique. I post it on here. People can see, Oh man, he's legit. Maybe if I want to learn from him, you know, yes. I post my workouts. Hey dude, this guy knows how to work out. I need a personal trainer. Let me reach out to him. You know, I, maybe he knows, maybe he can set me up with online coaching. Boom. Yes. Market it through here everything's online now and being that that everything man like being the creator the videographer the the marketer the publicist like all of it and the and the athlete or the the creator too um yeah. dude it's insane it's insane that's that solopreneurship uh grind i'm, I'm on that same dream. thing but it's a dream bro it's a it dream. is yeah it is it's a dream man like i was in um I was in Brazil and I was making some online programs and I, and I was like, dang, I'm working right now. So yeah. far from home, like I was, I was, I was in, I was in a beach city across the world making money. I was like, dude, it's Insane. pretty cool. I, I sold a sweater and I was like, Oh shit. That's like, sick. I'm getting paid right now. And I'm in Brazil. It's like, I know what it can become. Cause I, I love traveling. I don't like being in one place for too long, bro. I like, same. I, I get it. I get anxious, man. I need to, I need, I'm always on the move. So like, I want to build something to where I can passively do it. Anywhere. How do you, how do you set boundaries for yourself with needing to train, needing to really recover and then also building your, your business too? It's hard, dude. It's so hard. Cause the morning classes, I do a competition training with uh, Lucas Leitch, which is uh, where my professor got his black belt. And we do like groups of three, it's pretty much just like shark tanks. And then you do like five rounds of 10 minutes, five, six rounds Damn. of 10 minutes. And it's just like, bro, after that, you don't want to do shit. No, no. You really just want to eat. You take a shower and then you like sit on the Your couch for a second. Like vibrating at that point. Bro, you sit on the, like you're driving home after practice in silence, just like, <laughs> like barely alive. You shower, you eat, and then you sit down for a second and you're just like, you're falling asleep, bro. So, what I've been trying to do now is after those competition trainings, I take a shower and I drink a coffee right after practice. Nice. So I have to stay up, bro, because man, for a long time, it was a nap every day after, after practice. Cause you just, you're just physically, mentally exhausted and practice was like 45 minutes away as well. So it's like a long drive Damn. coming home too. So I'm just, it was exhausting. So um, now what I'm doing, what I've been doing like the past year or two is I've been drinking a coffee and getting a lot of my uh, social media stuff done in the afternoon. Okay. So I'll either. So you'll uh, have like that blocked out afternoon time that you just have in your head. Like, okay, this is when I'll dedicate to. To okay. finding different outlets to generate income. So whether it's, you know, building, building money, marketing on Instagram or social media, really developing cool. merchandise, or it's also when I work too, I have clients in the afternoon as well and then i have night practice at 7 p.m so i get home from 12 nice. i have clients from like three to six and then i go to practice at night nice. so it's pretty, pretty much all day all day go 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 i have about two three hours to myself to where i can focus on the marketing stuff and doing videos and content stuff but um other than that it's pretty much just yeah, busy training and then lifting for myself busy 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 so uh, talk to me about your um, your your training, your physical fitness training. So you said you got into lifting when you were younger in, in high school? Yeah. So when I was uh, – I always wanted to dunk a basketball. So like, <laughs> man, let me, let me get my legs super strong. So I did a bunch of research on how to 
developed leg strength and I was just doing a lot of squats, plyometrics and stuff like that, learning how to program, uh, learning how to program for that. And while I was doing that, I also went and went to school and I got my kinesiology degree. Nice. So I, I learned a lot about strength and conditioning and exercise science. So, um, it's always been a part of my life. Like I've always done personal training for like the past 10 years. Like even if it was one or two clients or now up to 10, 15 clients, it's always been, I've always been training somebody at some point, like even just my friends, Hey, I need help. We'll work something out, you know? Um, but, um, for me, myself, I'll lift three days a week and I'll do some type of like cardio running three days a week too. Nice. So I'll, so I'll lift one day, run one day, lift one day, run one day, lift one day. Um, and it's not even a long time anymore. I'll hit like my working sets. So when I lift, it's probably like 30, 45 minute workouts. When That's I run, good. it'll be like two miles or I'll go hit like 10, 10, 200 sprints or I'll hit the stairs. I like, I'm, I'm super, I'm not trying to beat myself up too bad. Outside You're trying of, to maintain your body at this point. Maintain, but also still improve over time, like progressively overload, but not that makes sense so yeah. like i'll do my working sets i'll increase maybe maybe two to five percent every month but okay. just that little bit i'm not trying to kill myself uh, i do enough of that on the mat and half the time i'm already <laughs> beat up from training right? so, um, so like, now okay. do you do you think the cardio that you're doing off the mat is is something that just helps you like keep that cardio floor or that base like fitness floor and do you think the cardio that you're doing on the mats with all those intense rolls is really what's giving you that good cardio tank because I'm, I'm always curious about how to develop that cardio tank for jujitsu I've, I've messed around with just like you know hill sprints assault bike and just improving my distance running but um what about you what do you do for that one is doing jujitsu for sure right not skipping around respecting the rest time um uh, a lot of getting more efficient with technique that's the that's the biggest one not using not over that's a good not, that's a good insight yeah exactly if you're if you're more if you're, if you're tense tighter, if you're yeah. tighter with your technique you don't need to use as much energy to mm. do certain moves so definitely number one getting tighter with your technique doing those competition rounds respecting the rest time not sitting out rounds that's going to help you with your jiu-jitsu cardio but getting to that next level i feel like you do need to cross train and do different types of cardio so if you're doing the assault bike man hill sprints stairs bleachers that's that's been a staple in my athletic career my whole life i don't think there's anything more functional than that they say okay go lift go do that but man, there's nothing like doing sprints or running up those damn stairs. I don't care. I, I get I, that. I, I get that. Oh that shit! Moment every time. That right, right before I'm about to do it. Yeah. Bro, yeah, right before you're about to do it. Like, Holy Fuck. shit! What am I doing? Yeah. Fuck! I don't want to do this. Why do you think you don't do it as much? <laughs> Bro, it is what it is. Like everything that you you probably should be doing, you're not going to be doing it as much because it's hard. So, um. Anytime I'm running those stairs, I have these stairs by my house that I do. And I kind of found my, my baseline where, where like come tournament time, I need to be able to do 15 of them. In Like so in, a, like in one sitting. Yeah, I don't, I don't rest. So I'll do, I'll do nice. like, I'll do short burst. I have like this shorter staircase where I'll do my sprint work and then I'll take breaks in between. And then I'll do like an explosive set 
and then I'll rest two minutes. I'll do an explosive set and I'll do two minute, two minute breaks, right. To, to work that explosiveness and that power output, mm. ass twitch muscles. And then after that, I'll run through the whole stadium of the stairs, like nonstop for like 30 minutes. It takes about 30 minutes to do 10 of them. And that'll work my, uh, my strength endurance and my, Dude, uh, that's, that's great. Endurance. That's awesome. So I, I you have to work all energy systems. You have to work your fast twitch. You have to work your like medium heart rate. And then you have to work your low heart rate as well, where you're just kind of maintaining that, that base floor. Yeah. It, it makes so, sense. And, uh, I, I, I helps felt, you recover. Helps you recover. yeah, I was gonna say recover too. Yeah. It'll yeah, help the, you. With that spike in that spike, you get used to that spike where you can mm. let your heart rate come down and you can start to relax your heart rate, then boom, spike it and it'll come back down. If you're not used to this, when you spike your heart rate, it's gonna take a lot longer to come down. Mm. But as you keep working these intervals, you you get used to bringing your heart rate down and back up, down and back up, and, and you're able to sustain it for longer. Are you using anything to track your heart rate or are you just going going by feel? I also don't like to overcomplicate yeah. things either too, man. Like, I'm just like, all right, man, grab my keys and go and, and do this. I kind of found a way to like, like I said, like I'll do 10 and 10. And when I'm really ready for the tournament, I'll do 10 and 15. When I can do 15 like and that. feel good, yeah. that's it. I don't, I, I just don't like overcomplicating things. I, I don't. Because then it, don't, it pulls you further away from the, the, the actual point, which is, just do the fucking work. Just, just do the fucking just work. Run up, just run up the stairs. And I feel like you find ways to make excuses, man. Like I fucking hate excuses. You read, you read your whoop strap and your resting heart rates at freaking oh, it's ten higher than it what it was yesterday. And then you don't, and you decide not to train because you're like, oh man, I'm gonna get hurt today, man. What? Go fucking train if you get hurt. <laughs> I don't know. I'm old school, bro. Like I like that. I appreciate that. Anyone that believes in overtraining isn't training hard enough. Because you ne you're never pushing yourself to the limit to where you're actually overtraining if you're thinking about overtraining. You're mm. mentally not strong enough to, to get to overtraining. That's a good point. Think about it. If you're thinking about overtraining. I like that. You are not mentally tough enough to overtrain. Yeah, you, you, wouldn't, you would never put in the work. No, bro, you're, you're reading your fucking whoop strap. Bro, <laughs> go fucking run just go do it go do it bro. I, I completely agree we'll get better i don't care if your whoop strap is 20 higher your resting heart rate's 20 higher than it was you'll get better from doing it than not doing it even if it's not physically mentally and mental and, is everything and i think i and i keep talking with people about this too because i work as a health coach and uh even in in yoga so many people i'll try to get to do yoga with me and their first thought is I'm not flexible or, uh, you know, like I can't do this or, uh, and then, or, you know, someone who is trying to lose weight might think, Oh no, I can't go to this event and not eat all the shitty food that I'm trying to avoid. And then it makes me realize everything is mental. Like you could only reach the physical potential of everything in our lives. If that mental component is there first. And if that mental component's not there, the faucet's never going to open up to then feed all the physical potential that you, you have. And you're so right. Goggins is someone that, that says that all the time. Like, you know, the, uh, what's he say? The, the 40% rule or something like that. Yeah. Your, your mind will quit at 40% of 
of what you're physically capable of. Right. And that's that's terrifying to really think about and to look and bro, back and, and to look back people, and wonder. For most people, it's not even close to 40. It's at like 10%. <laughs> I agree. For the I agree. average American freaking out of shape, eating whatever the hell comes in and cross it, it's 10%, bro. Dude, you have so to build it up to get to 40. You're you're someone who uh, who's living on the fringes. I, I consider, right? You're living on the fringes. You're working your ass off. You're you have very little time. You're making the most of your time. You probably can't relate to many people like around you especially where we it's hard, are bro it's hard it's yeah. hard for sure it's just you know the first thing that comes to mind is oh my god you're such a fucking pussy all the time <laughs> you know what i mean like bro like I, it's it's messed up it is what it is i'm not saying i'm the most badass guy in the world but i've learned to fight that inner bitch in me yeah doing all this stuff and it's just like you hear people complain and complain and complain, bro. And then you it's go hard to, to these, listen to that. It's hard to listen to that when you're countries. trying to like quiet your own complaints. And, and as a personal trainer, bro, I'm trying I, I I'm helping a lot of people that aren't mentally tough. You know, I'm helping them. How, so how do you how do you approach that as a personal trainer with people? How do you oh, get people man. to approach the mindset, the mindset component? Do you do that so. first? Is that something that you approach first or that's something that people address yeah. as you're working with them i it's hard man because when someone on their first day is 100 pounds overweight and they come in and they're saying it's it's hard you can't say don't be a bitch <laughs> on day one you know what i mean it's like all right let me build this guy up and say hey man look look how far look what you were doing on the first day look what you're doing now think about your how your mindset was on day one how hard it was and think about how how hard it is now see how there's levels of your mindset and how you how you look at things this is just the beginning let's keep going and see how how mentally strong we can get so it, it's it's definitely a progression i'm a lot you i mean you can't be as hard on yourself you can't be as hard on other people as yes. you would especially I've, when, I've been i've been guilty of doing that i've yeah. done that i mean you have to shoot it straight too i'm not going to say hey man someone doesn't show up and they, they show up and they give me half ass. I can't say, Hey man, you're doing a great, great job. I have to keep it straight with them. I'm here to push them. I have to keep it real. Clients respect that. Yeah. But you also can't push somebody like you would push yourself when they're first starting, you know, and that, that's, that makes sense. That's one of the biggest things I enjoy about personal training and seeing people grow, man. I have a funny story. I was training. Um, I had a buddy. He, uh, he was 430 pounds. And uh, as we're losing weight, I got him down to like under the threes and we're still nice. going. So he's down almost 140 pounds. That's great. And, uh, I have another buddy. He was like 290. Right now he's like 205. He has like his top abs coming in. That's awesome. And I have uh, another group. And these guys are all friends and we're all buddies. And we all kind of used to play sports together too. So, and we all went to high school together. And, and I have another buddy. He got out of a relationship and he was overweight. He started training with me and now he's feeling all good about himself. Dude, that has, that has to be one of the best feelings you know? in the world. And I'm training these guys and I'm like, man, I want these guys to do better at their job, be better, you know, citizens in the community. And then they're coming up to me, man, I went out last night. I was talking to this girl and they're just telling me all these stories and pulling all these chicks. And I'm like, dude, but that's confidence. Yeah. You wouldn't have got these girls if you weren't putting the work and building that mental strength, building that confidence about yourself. You know, that's what it's all about. So 
it definitely doesn't start off that way, but that's when I, I like to focus more on that than the physical. Cause if you get your mental right, the physical will come. That's so true. That, that That's a great point. And uh, that, that has to be one of the best experiences to hear your boys winning and, and feeling yeah. good and feeling confident that that's awesome. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing, but also it's hard sometimes, you know, I mean, as a health coach, you've also coached people that did all the way by end, you know, and they didn't get the results that they wanted. Maybe they were dealing with other things in their life where they weren't able to dedicate or they were just so built up in their ways that they weren't, it was, they were having a hard time changing it. Maybe it was part of my problem. Maybe it was part of their problem, you know, but we weren't able to figure it out. You know, it happens. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a, I've helped a lot of people and I've also, you know, some people they slipped through my fingertips and I wasn't right. able to for to, whatever uh, reason affect their life for whatever reason it happens it happens you know um but where was I going with this um what I'm trying to say is that my whole goal in this is is to help people but also I can't let that energy bring me down too though so yeah. for the people that slip through my fingertips that are having a hard time they can't make it to prep to our session or they're making up these excuses I can't change my mindset of oh it's okay to miss practice oh it's okay to miss the meal you are who you surround yourself you have to with. keep so your own standard you have to keep your standards bro it's it's hard it's 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 that's the challenge as a personal trainer too because you if i could i would be around complete savages all day right that would make me be like a total savage but you know i'm helping bring people up i need to be that positive positive uh, image positive role model, but I can't let that energy, that negative, that doubt cons- and change the way I think. That's, that's a, that's a key component. I, uh, so during the, during the day I work as a school teacher and, um, and for, in a public high school and, nice. um, I, I could, uh, so I started in special education. I'm still in special education, but mainly English. Nice. Yeah. And, and I love it. And it's, and it's the same thing. Um, I, I can't let the success of my students or my, my health coaching clients or my yoga students, I can't let that impact me and what I'm doing. I just have to try to separate myself from that, keep the standards that I'm aiming towards and continuing to grow myself because sometimes I would attach my own success to other people's success that I'm working with. And you're right. You can get, you can get caught up in that. Man, you got a lot going on, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Bro, yeah. so you're full time full time student school teacher. Yeah, health coach, yoga, yoga, health coach, yoga, and I, uh, I coach uh, I coach the kids I coach the kids classes at at the jujitsu academy. Kids classes, jujitsu. You're married. Yeah, man, <laughs> bro. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm I can that's why I can relate a lot to people that want to do a lot. I have infinite curiosities. I feel like I. I don't have enough time to chase all the things that I want to. So like I'm 30, I just turned 33 and I'm at a point in my life where I know all the things that I'm interested in and I love what I'm doing. And now instead of having such a wide scope, I've narrowed that, even though it still seems wide, I've narrowed it over time. And now I'm just going to try to continue to all in the same field. Yeah. 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 I was going to say it's it's all in the same field. I'm starting to realize it. I mean, when it comes down to it, what in reality, what you're doing, man, is you're you're being a positive impact and sharing positive energy throughout. So when you're teaching your students, I'm sure you you have that same attitude. You're showing them the positive light. When you're teaching the kids in yoga, showing them that positive light. 
um, kids class yoga, you know, so it's, yeah. it's all, there, bro. it's just in a little different ways, but it is through, through, uh, through, through activities, yoga, jujitsu, hundred percent. You know, that's awesome, bro. I, mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I, um, and with my students today, a couple of my students that love UFC, they love jujitsu, they love wrestling. I showed them your, your video of the, of that awesome choke. Um, and I told them, I'm like, I'm like, guys, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with him on a podcast today. Cause I told them that I have a podcast too. And a couple of them freaked nice. out they're like, no way. Like he's a professional jujitsu fighter. I'm like, yeah, yeah man. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, man, you should have told me I would, I would have left out some of the cuss words. And some <laughs> no, of no, no, no. All good. All good. They, <laughs> they curse way right. more than you and I, they, <laughs> they curse so much more than you and I. Okay. Um, so one, one question that okay. a kid had for you was, uh, he said, do you have a favorite UFC fighter or like jujitsu um, practitioner that you like, like their game or that you like to base some of your approaches off of? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So MMA, I love uh, Nate Diaz, my favorite nice. fighter. Love Nate he Diaz. He doesn't give a damn, bro. He doesn't give a damn, you know. Big he's, Nate Diaz he's just guy. Keeps it real and just you know, fights for what he believes in and doesn't change for anybody, you know? That's something that we can all take something away from, you know? Um, for jiu-jitsu, I would say... I would say... Huh, someone I've studied a lot. I've studied a lot of... Uh, a lot of my professors, actually. A lot of uh, Russell Contorna and Lucas Leach. I've studied like, almost all their matches. And, nice. And... Uh, I always ask them one-on-one -on -one questions and they always come up with the best answers for me, man. So, um, Oh, of course, uh, Bushesha, Bushesha, oh, yeah. 13 times champion. He's I've actually trained with him before too, in the That's same cool. gym. I didn't train with him, but we trained in the same gym. I did like a specific training with him off the wall drill. And, um, he's like our team. He's like one of the most successful guys in jiu-jitsu period and he's part of our team too so i definitely try to we have like 10 different moves that we call the buchesha like buchesha pass buchesha arm bar i love buchesha that so it's just like everything he does we try to emulate as a team so nate diaz and buchesha i would say probably the guys i look up to the most we're, we're probably gonna watch some uh we're probably gonna watch some nate diaz and buchesha videos next week in class <laughs> oh nice so um do it, do it. So before we watch leave, the, I want watch to... the Bushesha Rodolfo. Okay. The, okay. The second one. The second okay. one, I believe, it was two thousand. I'm not sure the exact year, but those matches were always fire. Nice. Okay, we'll watch those. So yeah. before we leave, I just want to ask you one more thing. Um, can you give me a, a quick story behind that that viral video of that choke? Of that choke? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So that day. And everyone thinks like, oh, dude, you're a bully. Like, oh no, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't take it as that at all when I saw it. No, but dude, if you read the comments, like Joe Rogan says, don't read the comments. But if you read the comments, it's probably dude, bad, right? A lot of them. Everyone's just ripping me, dude. Like, just call me a bully. Oh no damn! Technique. This guy's a, this guy's bullying this guy that weighs so much less than him. And then, uh, funny story is, is. At these tournaments, you fight your weight class, and then you fight in the open weight class. Right. I, I fought that guy the same day in the heavyweight finals of my division. So we were both heavyweights. I fought him in the heavyweight finals, and he we had a tough match. 
Um, he was beating me like four to two with like a minute left. And then oh, I wow. scored two takedowns and one in the last minute. Like the guy's a game competitor. And then the the next day I fought him in Nogi and it was Nogi the absolute finals. So it was like all the weight classes. Um, oh, actually it was the same day. They were both Nogi. So it was later that day I fought him in the Nogi absolute finals. So he made mm. his way all the way up to the finals again. We were the same weight go up against him and this time i'm like all right i gotta respect this guy from the start he's tough he almost had me in the last one so we're going at it and uh, i'm taking him down i'm passing his guard and like four times i tried to get my hooks i kept throwing my hooks to try to get the back to get the back points and i kept he kept escaping my back my back take mm. like three times i throw one hook i try to throw my second hook he escapes so i have to start from the top boom Another time I throw one hook, I lose the other hook and he escapes. So then this last time I was like, I had him turtled and I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to try to get the hooks, man. I'm up, I'm up six zero, but I was like, I want to finish this guy. Like, like I said, I like trying to, I like trying to break people, bro. So if you had a good match with me, if I fight you again, I'm going to try to submit you. That's just how it goes. I want you to remember me. So I go, I shoot the choke. And I'm under the neck, but he's still turtled and I don't have any hooks. And I swear the week before I watched this video on YouTube and he's like, if you get under the neck, just drag them back and they can't defend it because they won't be able to get their feet under right. underneath them. They won't be able to stand up because you're dragging them back. And I swear that video, I've never done this before. The video popped into my mind. So I just locked awesome. it up. I postured up, got my feet under me, picked them up, started dragging them back. And that was the absolute finals, bro. And then he tapped, and I like after that, was that sick. like bro, after I did that, like the adrenaline I had was it was crazy. And then I look over to my team, everyone's all yelling and stuff. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what made you think of carrying <laughs> this guy by his neck? And I was like, bro, I don't know. I was just in the moment. I was frustrated with myself. I kept losing the back. So once I got under the neck, I was like, I'm not even going for points anymore. Like, <laughs> finish this right now. And then <laughs> It got posted, dude. It got like overall that thing probably has like ten to twenty million dude, views. Dude, like, wild! That that, that everyone that I know that trains uh, saw that video and that that went viral fast. People see me at the tournaments. They're like, "Hey, you're the guy that uh, choked the guy <laughs> and stand up." And I was like, "Yeah, it's so funny, dude." I, it Ever since then, it like kind of put my name on the map for that. I'm the choke guy, basically. When I when I first saw that, <laughs> I didn't I didn't think that that was like a bully move. I just in my head, I'm like, damn, I would have never thought to do that. I would have never, I would have just continued to try to get my hooks in just because that's what people were telling me to do, or that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but I'm like, shit, that's actually like genius. All you have to do is just walk back and you did it perfectly. I just even rewatched it today, like where you're leaning in really getting heavy at first as you're locking it up and then you pull back sick. <laughs> yeah. Dude. And it was funny because that was like the first time I made, I made merch, I made shirts with it, nice. like with that logo. Oh, that's cool. The logo, the oh, that's awesome. Out, it was like, it was crazy. I didn't even know that. that. That's that cool. Launched, that launched my merch brand. And then I started oh, making awesome. shirts and hoodies and hats and stuff. So it, it was like, it was a good start of my jiu-jitsu career, I would say. It got my name out there. When when exactly was that? That was uh, last year, March. Last year, March. Okay. It was uh, the LA Open. The Very Los cool. Angeles Open in March. Yeah. It was funny, man. It was that was that was crazy, dude. I mean, the the buzz around that video, I never experienced anything like that. It was it was insane. That was wild. I didn't uh I, yeah, I wasn't 
even when that first happened, um, a couple of guys in my gym were even just joking around about it. Like we were trying it on each other and no one did it full speed, but everyone was just messing around with like, oh shit, we would never think to step back like that. So how that, that's gotta be pretty cool to realize that your choke definitely made that move way more popular in all jujitsu. That's, that's pretty awesome. I was coaching one of my white belt friends and he got into that position and, um, we were all at a tournament. My professor was there as well, but we had a couple people going at the same time. So I was coaching this certain guy and my professor was over there. And then as my professor's walking by, my the guy I'm coaching is in that position. And I'm like, hey, pick him up, pick him <laughs> up. And then he looks at me and he tries to start picking the guy up. He's a white belt. So like the choke was like on the side. It was all it was all bad, bro. But he tried it. He tried to pick him up and carry him back. And then my professor's like, Get out of the chair, man. Get out of the chair. He starts coaching him, bro. He's so he was laughing, but he's like, Dory, you can't be telling these guys to do that, bro. That's so funny. That's so funny. I think the only thing that I've gotten close to that was I think there there was a time where I had a rear naked and I couldn't get my hooks, or I just think I just think I was in a bad position to sit up and get my hooks in. And I think I just like sat back and flattened the guy out. And it was more of like uh like my forearm was just closing in on his windpipe. Yeah, so I don't think it was a clean choke. I think it was more of like the forearm and the windpipe. But yeah, next time, uh, if I'm ever in competition, I'm going to try to rip that Do one it. out too. Do it. Just make sure you lock it first. Um, bro, the other week at a brown belt tournament, I, I went to shoot the hook, but I was under the neck already. And I was going for it again. <laughs> I was going to go for it and do it again. And as I was like bringing my hips to the mat to get up, to work up to my feet, the guy tapped. Oh, okay. But all right. He had it had in his no mind. I was going to stand up with it, bro. Like I should have let off the choke a little bit to stand up with it, but I was like trying not to lose it. And I tried to work up to my feet and then he tapped right before I can get up I to almost, my feet. Bro. I, I, was so wondered, I was wondering why the first guy didn't tap sooner. In my head, I'm like, this guy's getting his head like almost decapitated. I was shocked that he waited that long to tap. That's tough, bro. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a tough guy. He's won, he's won a lot of tournaments. He's, he's really good. Um, do you have, do you have, a, do, do you have like a go-to submission that you go for? Or like, do you have like go-to pathways that you're willing to like make public? Uh, man, I, I, I'm a, I like taking the back and choking people, bro. Okay. Like, right across the face, right here. <laughs> That's my favorite. I don't even like the neck, bro. I like the face. I like I when they that. when they tap and they get up and their eyes are watering and they got boogers and shit. That's my favorite. Oh man. <laughs> I don't even like the neck, bro. I don't fuck the neck. Don't worry about it. Over the face, making you tap to that is my favorite. Oh, I, I love that. Like I love that. That's, my That's definitely my style. That that uh yeah. punishing you kind of style. I love that. Yeah. Like where their neck is like they tap and their nose is running, eyes are watering, and then they're like <laughs> like that that's my favorite <laughs> dude uh you're you're the man i i really i love this conversation i i could talk with you about jujitsu and this stuff forever um yeah. if i ever get a chance my to be in person York, I would, yeah i was gonna say i would, I would love to train with York. you so when, when if i go visit him i'll go reach out and go get some training with you and the guys yeah if man in california reach out man that was a fun conversation thanks for having me yeah, and uh, if you want anyone to be able to reach out to you, what's some good spots for them to good find spots. you? You can check out uh, my Instagram. Everything's um, – all my, my websites, YouTubes, everything's through there. So um, just I-M-D-A-O-U-N, 
um, on Instagram. I'm down. So you guys can follow me on there. Message me if you have any questions on anything or if you want to talk some trash saying I don't have any technique. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm used to it by now. Bring it on. Bring it on, guys. Thanks, hey, Dory. Thanks, me and you, Mike.